Alright, let's stay. another good group. Y'all sound good together. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. Turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Last week we um, 
focused on purity and holiness and righteousness of the saints. And uh, the Lord helped me this week. He gave me another thought regarding those important points for the church. And uh, tonight we're going to deal about our thought life to bring those about, okay? Our thought life. So I, I trust you'll be here and that'll help you. Sometimes I mention things ahead to wet your whistle. Sometimes I wish I hadn't because then you don't come. So uh, I'm going to trust that all of you will. Amen. And uh, pray about that service and pray that God will help us tonight. But this morning I want to uh, focus on the, the kind of days we're living in. We are living in uh, very unusual days. But it's not something that we didn't know was coming because God tells us in his word the type and kind of days we live in. Matthew chapter 24, and look at verse 37, if you would, with me. Matthew 24, verse 37, and uh, verse 38 and 39. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the, in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. We're living in those days of Noah. That's what it's described as here in chapter 24, the coming day of the Lord. In Genesis chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, we won't go there, but that's the account of what type of days were happening uh, in Noah's day, Noah's generation, Noah's family. Uh, the days of Noah were bad and they were, they were beyond description by you or I. But the Lord's word captures the exactness of those days. Let's pray and we'll get into those. Father, thank you. Thank you for the sweet spirit that's here. Thank you for the hymns that were sung this morning. They helped us. Thank you for that beautiful special. And Lord, we're wanting now your word to be anointed and touched and go forth powerfully. We thank you for those that are visiting with us today. Thank you for the faithful members of this good church. And Lord, help us, we pray, that you'd be with the deaf in their services and be with the young people as they gather around your word and all the workers. But Lord, please be with us here in this auditorium as well. May we sense your presence, Lord. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, these days of Noah, Matthew 24, 37, as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Of course, that's future, so what's going to happen? And the, these days of Noah have returned. We're living in them, days as the days of Noah. So it's made full circle uh, to this kind of description we're seeing in the Bible. And this prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 24 is telling us, what it's going to be like, and when the Lord would come. Now, we're supposed to always have our eyes on, on, on uh, the horizon. We should never let that become something that doesn't matter to us. Uh, sometimes we go through things like that seasonally. I remember in the 70s, a lot of preaching on the Lord coming. And then kind of, you went in the 80s, it seemed like the, everybody was preaching on the family and on the home. And then another decade would go, and there would be another emphasis and, uh, boy, if there ought to be an emphasis today, it ought to be the emphasis that, hey, he's coming. And uh, these are days that we need to be faithful uh, to the Lord. I'm thankful for his coming. Uh, we have an escape clause. 
uh, as Christians, that we're going to get out of this. And I, I've said a lot of times, I continue to say, because it's the word of God, not me, but we're not appointed under wrath. So God's going to get us out of here uh, before the great tribulation period come. But there may be somebody sitting here today, I don't know, maybe a young person, maybe a visitor, maybe an adult, maybe a senior citizen. I don't know. You're not ready to go. And uh, we're constantly warned about the coming of the Lord. We, we, obviously, we know that we're not going to live forever, so that day is coming. But, you know, the Lord could come and you could be left behind to go into that terrible, great tribulation period. And I trust you know the Lord. If not, you ought to get saved. God has given you an escape clause as a believer in Jesus Christ. So believe on him, and that'll be yours as well. I've never desired, I've never desired to die. Not something I wake up every day and say, you know, I feel like dying today. Wouldn't it be a great day to die? No, no, no. I want to go in the rapture. I don't want to go in the catching of the way of the saints. I want to, and I've always kind of felt like I'm going to be in that crowd. I, I hope I'm right. How many hope I'm right? Okay, good. Just waking you up a little bit. That, but, you know, we, we hear about this. Uh, uh, again, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, 9, that God hath not appointed us to wrath, but obtained salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. That word's appointed is a good word. It means uh, decreed or prescribed or selected. God has, that's what God says about us, the church. Uh, to miss the wrath, that word means anger, means ire, means fierce judgment of God. I don't want the judgment of God on me. I want the blessings of God. I want showers of blessing from God. Amen? So we know in Scripture that day's coming, that the Lord's coming. We're told in John 14 that Jesus is preparing a place for us. He's getting ready a, a place for his bride, the church. The rapture is, it was a secret to the Old Testament saints in the sense that they didn't understand, they didn't know it. There were, there were signs, but they didn't get it at that time. Jeremiah 30, verse 7, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul talks about it. The rapture is a quantum event. What mean, that means is it's going to happen fast. So fast, the Bible describes it as a twinkling of an eye. And that means that not being able to measure that. That's the, the, the idea. In a moment, the moment words, it means, it, it means unable to cut in two or to divide or it's indivisible. And I'm sure people think today that, you know, there are computers and all that that can do that, you know. On Jeopardy, that guy that got all the questions right, he probably can figure it out, you know. No. God says it's going to happen so quickly. And, you know, the other thing about it, no one's looking for it. Even God's people today seem to be not looking for it because we, it hasn't happened when others said it's going to and so forth. A twinkling, that word's interesting. It means to throw or a stroke or a heartbeat. You know, they say the symptoms, uh, symptomatic of a stroke is that you'll hear, well, he was doing fine all of a sudden. That's the idea here of the Lord's coming. It, it comes from the word Adam, the root word, which means or, or, uh, a physical atom, uh, means to cut, not able to divide uh, because it's too small to be measured. We have a word, we have a phrase, split second. It has that connotation. We just had the, the Winter Olympics, and some of those people would compete, and it would be down to a split second, the difference between those individuals. But this means the Lord's coming is even where they can't calculate it. It's going to be so fast. And then today, people are not expecting it. Instant, indivisible moment of time, too short to measure. 
The rapture is a rescue for us. It's not, it's not a judgment for us. The tribulation is judgment of God upon on this world, primarily to get Israel to see their need of their Messiah. John 17, 6, I have manifested thy name unto all men, which thou gavest unto out of the world, he said. Revelation 3.10, uh, because thou hast kept the words of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. We're just told over and over again about these truths. The Apostle Paul taught a pre-tribulation rapture for the saints uh, in 1 Thessalonians 4. And I don't want to take time to get bogged down in these, but we're going to be out of this wrath time. If you look at Revelation chapter 4, you'll see that there's no mention of the church after Revelation chapter 4. The church is translated, it's captured, it's caught away, it's seized. It means to snatch something away quickly. And that's what we're looking for as a church. It's our hope. And that word hope means confident expectation. Do you have a confident expectation that when the Lord comes you'll be going? Do you have a confident expectation this morning that when you pass, when that heartbeat, that stroke, that instantaneous time in all of our lives that's going to take, will take our last breath, that you're going to be asked in the body present with the Lord? Do you know that? That's what that word hope means. Not, not lucky, not maybe. It means confident, it's going to happen. Confident expectation. That's what it means. So the Lord's coming. He's going to take the bride, we've heard. Even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Garlock wrote, maybe today my Lord will come for me. Maybe today my Savior I shall see. Maybe today from sin I shall be free. Jesus will come and I will go home. Maybe today. Amen? But what kind, what kind of days are today? We don't know what's going to happen this week. We don't. And the days of Noah are here. These days described for us. Now, today I want to take a look at some things about these days of Noah. It's kind of funny. Um, I was just talking to Bill Kokanos the other night. We were talking about Noah, right? And uh, unbeknownst to him, I already had this message. I didn't make this message after he left. All right, brother, I just want you to know that. Characteristics of the days of Noah. Days that are upon us. They're closely related and in correspondence to the days that we just read about in Scripture. Now, I want us to understand what kind of days these are we're living in. And I think you'll agree because they're right from the Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 6, if you would. Go way back to the front. Genesis chapter 6. And please look at verses 5 through 7. I'll give you a minute here. Maybe two. Maybe four. So we need that. Because I don't want to move on until you look at it with me. So please, get your Bible out. Thank you. Go to Genesis chapter 6. Let's take a look at what God says. Not what preacher says, what God says. What kind of days are the days of Noah? What kind of days are the days that are described in Matthew chapter 24? What kind of days are these? These days will show an evidence of spiritual decline. Point number one. Well, we're there. Spiritual decline. The days of Noah, people were living for self and sin. Does that sound like today? Genesis chapter 6, take a look at verse 5. Uh, the Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. That sound like today? And that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only evil continually. And look at how bad it was. 
It repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Boy, God was grieved by all that he was observing from his vantage point. Verse 7, and the Lord said, what's, what's he saying? I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. My goodness. The word repent means to change mind. God is saying, oh, it breaks my heart. I repented that I even created them. Wow. That's how bad it was. It ain't got any better. And those days were days of spiritual decline. It grieved the heart. You know why? Because man had become so awful and declined so much that God was grieved. Prior to the ark of Noah being built, society was full of debauchery. And of course, we know depravity escalating. Boy, are we there today. Our current day is so declined from even a half a generation ago. We can see it a generation ago. People, even God's people are not what they used to be like and how fervent and faithful they had been. Thank God for those that are still faithful. But we're told even, shall he find faith on the earth? It's speaking about these days. God's looking for it. Is he going to find it? Thank God he always has a remnant. God always will have a remnant of people. I want to be that remnant. I want to live like that. Like the purity and the holiness and the righteousness that God expects from God's people. I want to be that man. I want to be that type of church. Amen. Because our world today is so perverted in so many ways. Now, it was that way so as the days of Noah were. It was that way then. In the arts and science and philosophy and education, their level of technology. Now you say, technology? Yeah. You ever, go, ever gone to the, down to see the ark? How that thing was put together? And by the way, that's not the ark. Just want to tell you. But the technology, the man is so brilliant. God has given us the capacity. It's amazing capacity. We're living in that day that we have so much technology and so much education, and so much knowledge, not very much wisdom it seems as much. Knowledge is the accumulation of facts. Wisdom is what to do with those facts. Hmm. But Noah and his house, they were rescued. Our society has declined so much that they think they didn't need God. Imagine that. No more God. They didn't want to be around God. They didn't want to be around any of God's people. What is today like? People don't want God. They don't want God's people. They don't want instruction. They don't want preaching. People can't take preaching today. Only a little bit here, a little bit there. Amen. Oh, my goodness. But then it says this. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. In that day. You know, God, isn't it amazing? Way back then, God was dishing out grace, and he's still giving it out today. Thank God for the grace God gives in this day. I mean, you and I, when you look at society and where they're going, where they've been, where they're, oh my goodness. I, I, I'm like Moses. God, kill them, you know. I, don't, I shouldn't have that kind of heart. But I see it, it angers me, it upsets me. But God says, you know what? I'm going to give them grace. Oh man, what a great God we have. 
still offering grace, still providing grace for those that will repent of their sin and turn to him. So these days are the days of Noah. These days are the days of spiritual decline, more and more each passing day. Then there are days described as uh, of social dilemma. Look at verse 6, or chapter 6, verse 12, the days of Noah. He says, And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. Notice that word corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. That's an interesting word, corrupt. Corrupt before God. Not corrupt in our thinking. See, that's, that's the rub today. Everybody's got an opinion, and it's all wrong. Especially lost people. They don't have a godly opinion. They don't know God. The natural, the natural man cannot receive the things of God. So in their, in their mind, they're thinking, well, this is just, and this is right, and this is okay, and God's all right with this. No, no, no. That's their mind, their way of thinking. God says, no, I hate it. God says it's an abomination. God says I'm going to judge it. But God says, I still love them, and I'll give them grace. What a God. But it's a day of social dilemma. The earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. That word corrupt means to, to uh, be a spoiler. It means, um, it means waster. It means destroy, a time of destruction, moral corruption, moral ruin, moral decay. Today we live in an amoral society, for the, for the best part, amoral, except for the church. Thank God for the church. We're keeping back corruption. That's why Jesus said, ye are the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be keeping back that corruption. And boy, when the rapture takes place, total chaos will immediately start. We're the best thing going for this world, and they don't even know it. The church, the body of Christ. It is, Dave. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's a day of corruption. Some of you others need to say what he says. But anyway, it's a day of violence, he says. He says, uh, on the earth was filled with, and the earth was filled with violence. This word violence, and tell me, see if this is not today. Cruelty, wrong, uh, damage, injustice, oppression, unrighteousness, uh, in, uh, violent wrong. Well, all the shootings, all the, all the raping, all the, all, what, what is going on in our world today? It is the days of Noah. And boy, it can be disheartening and discouraging. In another way, you look and say, hey, we're, we're out of here just any moment. And while we're here, what are we going to do about that? This word, it said, filled with violence. The word filled denotes growth or a population increase. Our, boy, our world's just busting at its seams. With that comes what? Crime activity, social injustice, cruelty. Mm, my goodness. Third thing we see as we're living in these days of Noah, the days that described as Noah's day, shameless depravity. Shameless depravity. Galatians, or Genesis chapter 6, in verse 5, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart were only, he says it again, evil continually. Boy. Shameless depravity. Our world is living shamelessly. Social shamelessness. Uh, almost no morals at all. A depraved lifestyle. Sexual perversion. All kinds of sexual thoughts and habits. We're going to talk about thoughts tonight to help us in this day we live in. 
abomination, living cohabitation. He said giving and gi in marriage, that, that phrase there, taking and giving in marriage. That means they did what they wanted to do. Acting like they're married when they won't, weren't. All kinds of same-sex marriage and all that crazy business. Anti-Bible. That's today. For as the days that were before the flood, before judgment, Noah's day, Here's what they were doing. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until that day. Romans 1.27 says, And likewise also men leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lusts one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and, and receiving to themselves the recompense of that error which was meat. Now, some of these words are kind of hard to understand unless you break it down, but this is what our day is like today. Men working with men. That, that sexual activity, homosexuality is not of God. Right. And by the way, it's not a new idea. Right. It's come from the heart of man. But God is not for it. But our world certainly is for it. God says it's unseemly. That word which means, it means shame. It means bearing one's nakedness. The shame of bearing one's nakedness. Now, of course, today, that don't mean anybody. <laughs> But in the day that God was giving us this, he said, unseemly deed or shame. Again, people have no shame today about how they live. They're quite brazen about it. Receiving in themselves the recompense of their heir, which was meat. The word meat here means just or equity or proper dealing. And in other words, God is saying, I am proper and just to judge this. He's God. He's sovereign God. He's right. I'll give you a little. If, if God's against it, be against it. If God says it's wrong, it's wrong. It's way wrong. Not what people think. Shameless. And that word means no shame or lacking shame. We live in a perverted age. All types of sin. Jeremiah 8 and verse 12, the prophet said this. Were, were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Nay, they were not at all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Boy, we've lost our blush. As children, we were taught right and wrong, and when we did wrong, there's that blush that came to the face. Nobody blushes anymore. They've all seen it. As parents, we've let our kids see things they shouldn't have saw, and they don't blush anymore. Amen. Shame on us. Therefore shall they fall among them that fall. In the time of their visitation shall they be cast down, saith the Lord. This word blush means to exhibit shame or being humiliated. I, nobody wants to be humiliated. But today, we live in such a world, they don't care. They're brazen. Almost nothing is a shame anymore. And they're quite proud of the sinful living and lifestyle that they're engaged in. In the fact, they parade it. They have parades right down Main Street, New York City, any city, California. It don't matter. Let's have a parade. Next one's coming. I'll tell you. 
They've already joined with the, the people that God says are in abominational practices. It's a pedophile. Watch, we'll have a pedophile parade pretty soon. Downtown Detroit, New York City, amen, San Francisco. You, you'll have your pedophile parades. And there'll be people standing on the side. Some guy over here will say, well, it's not for me, but it's not my business. People live any way they want to. No, they can't. Not according to God. It's coming. I'm not a prophet, but it's not hard to find that. Figure that out. They're already marching in the parade with the homosexual and the sodomite. They're already doing it. They're just going to break off. So you know what? We, we want our own. That's the days we're living in right now. And there's no blush. There's no, not, nobody being ashamed. It, it calls it wickedness, the Bible. Wickedness means hurt. It means sore trouble. It means malignant. What does malignant mean? We associate that with cancer. It's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt somebody, right? So we think all this sin going on in the world today is not going to hurt somebody. We know better, but they don't. It's their right. It's their privilege. And if you don't like it, tough. God, you don't like it? Tough. Mm. Here's the amazing thing. God stills off. He's still offering grace. He's still offering salvation. He's still giving mercy. He's still long-suffering. What a God. What a God. But, you know, there's a line going to be crossed here. You or I don't know that line of demarcation. God does. And we're getting closer and closer to that line, and God says, that's it. But hold on, angels, before we do that, church, you're out of here. Hallelujah. You're out of here. It, it talks about wickedness. It talks about great wickedness. The word great means much, a multitude, abounding. That's where our world is today. Much wickedness. Much, great. And then he says evil. The verse said evil. That's the same root word for wickedness. God's just saying it twice. And let me tell you something, saints. When God says something twice, it's for a reason. God doesn't, God, he's not wasting his time here. Mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. So he said, you know what? It's wicked. And then he says, it's evil. means the same thing. God's trying to wake us up as a society. Now, as Christians, though, I know some Christians that they, want, they would want to argue with me about this stuff. I'm too old, too set in my ways. I know too much of that book that I'm going to change. I'm, but by the grace of God, because I've seen others change, I don't want to do that. No, no, no. You know why? Because it's not my opinion. It's God's opinion. And I'll, I'll move on. But if God says something's an abomination, I don't care what you think. God said it. Well, you can do what other Christians have done in our contemporary world, just change the Bible. So it fits what you want to do. No. If it's an abomination, leave it alone. The days of Noah will be a time of strong delusion, according to Scripture. Look, go back to Matthew 24. And please stay with me. I'm going I'm to move on here. Please stay with me. 
I heard two things recently. I heard about a preacher that preached about a three-hour sermon. Parkview, you are blessed beyond measure. <laughs> and then I heard about a preacher just so that the services were only 15 minutes in preaching. Well, you're not getting that either today, so... We're in between. <laughs> in between three hours, hour, hour and a half how to do it. Okay. Matthew 24, and look at verse 39. That's where we are today, these days of Noah. Matthew 34 and verse, uh, chapter 24, I'm sorry, verse 39. And notice, uh, verse 38 says, For as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. That's where we're at, verse 39. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Notice that phrase there, knew not until the flood came. They didn't know. They were actually surprised. They, they didn't know that this was coming. They were living in ignorance. They were living in darkness. And that's why they thought they could continue to do their abominable actions and that it was okay and it was right and it was approved of God. They had all these opinions. They knew not, but that's not true. God said that's what they thought. They knew not. They, they knew not. Here's why. They refused not to know because for 120 years, Noah had been preaching. Peter tells us he was a preacher of righteousness for 120 years. Every time they went and worked on that ark and banged that mallet, put that peg in that, in that wood, that was a preaching. And he'd say, hey, judgment's coming. But they knew not. Didn't know. You talk to people today, you say something to them about their sin, or you say something about the way we live today, and they'll say, I didn't know. What do you mean you didn't know? Especially God's people. I didn't know. Our kids pull that stuff out. Remember when you were raising your kids? Some of you are still raising your kids. And I, I didn't know. I didn't know that was a rule. Been told that rule all your life. What do you mean you didn't know that rule? I, I forgot. That's a good one. Oh, my. How many times have you heard that one as a parent? I forgot. And then... My dog ate my homework paper, teacher, my dog. It's all in that same group. And here's a man saying, I didn't know. But there is a kind of take. God said they knew not until. It was even a surprise. And I think that's what God's trying to say. When he comes, it's going to happen in a moment, a split second, in a, in a stroke, in a heart. This something so immediate, they're not going to know. I mean, if we knew this week that it was our time to pass, we'd probably make a few changes in the days before, wouldn't we? Maybe we'd make some phone calls. Maybe we'd, you know, clean up some things, give instruction. I went to the funeral yesterday of Brother Leroy DeMasellis' wife, and, and a couple days before she died, she's telling her, this is what I want at my funeral, and this is what I want the preacher to say this, and uh, this one's singing. Just she had a few days to do that, and she orchestrated her own funeral. This is what. Sometimes you don't get that opportunity. Suddenly. Suddenly. This time of the Lord is going to happen so quickly. 
And here's why the world doesn't get it today. Romans 1.28, Paul writes, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Here's why they don't know. They don't want to know. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge. I don't believe in God anymore. I don't want God in my life. I don't want anything to do with God, the church, Christians. I'm going to stay away from anybody that resembles God. That's where our world is today. Sad. But he still has mercy and love and compassion. What a God. Grace, full grace offered to anybody that will acknowledge their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. It says, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. The word reprobate means unable to discern between good and evil. They don't have the capacity anymore to judge right and wrong. Hmm. It means not standing the test or not approved. It means unfit or unapproved or spurious or reprobate. And he says they'll be turned over to delusion. Hmm. Delusion. You know, delusion definition means a belief or an impression that is firmly held by general thinking. Something that is generally accepted or held. We see in our society a lot of things that grandparents generally accepted and held and believed. The next generation, they don't believe it as much as they did. We're getting to the generation now that don't care what grandpa did or grandma did or where they got it from, which was God and church and the Bible. Amen? I like this about delusion. It has the meaning of irrational thinking. Now, there's a world out there that thinks we're irrational in our thinking. You folks are just following the God pill, and you know it's only weak minds. Church is for weak people. Christianity is for people that can't cope and all that stuff, all that junk. Now, listen. But here's what the definition means. Typical of a symptom of a mental disorder. Ha! Yeah, we're right. That world's crazy. They're under delusion. They think what's in the Word of God is just doesn't matter. Written by man. Man makes mistakes. Doesn't mean anything. It's, it's fictional. It's just, a, it's just a story for people that don't know any better. Weak-minded people. people. People that the culture doesn't want anymore. Get God out of the school. Get God out of everything. You know, the people have guns. They're the ones. Oh, boy, I could go there. But the word means typical of a symptom of mental disorder. So all your family members, friends, coworkers, neighbors that always argue and try to think you're a religious fanatic and idiot, I'm, I hope people think I'm a religious fanatic. I hope they think, I hope they think that of me. That guy's a nut. He's a Jesus freak. Thank you. But this world's under so much spiritual delusion, they're the nutcase because they're not believing this. And the Lord's going to come and they're going to be left behind. And they're gonna, here's the first thing they're going to say. I, I didn't know. Nobody told me. Come on. 
in the world we live in today with media and TV preachers and all that, I granted there's a lot of weirdos. But it's not because they don't know. They don't want to retain God in their thinking. So that's the day. Strong delusion. And I'll just give you these because I got to. The days described, but I like this, of some measure of devotion. Thank God. Some people have gotten this. It's, it's you that believed. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing the flood upon the world of the ungodly. Thank God at the time of Noah, there was some measure of devotion. And it was Noah, and it was Noah's family. Christian, don't be ashamed of God. Don't be ashamed of your church. Don't be ashamed of your preacher. Don't be ashamed of your youth director. Don't be ashamed of the leadership of your church that are strong, Bible-believing Christians. Don't, don't be ashamed don't be ashamed of the gospel. Paul said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and the salvation that everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. But the world looks at you as a Christian and thinks you ought to be ashamed. Hmm. I thank God Noah wasn't ashamed. He wasn't living in a dream world. He was living in obedience. Even though he didn't understand it all, he obeyed the Lord and got the ark built. And when it was the right time, he got his family in that ark. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I want to be that man. I want to have that kind of a family. I want to witness like Noah witnessed in his day, the day of depravity, day of darkness. Amen. And you know, although we're entering into the days of Noah as they were, we can be the kind of people Noah was and his family as a witness. And that brings me closer to my, I'll just give you this point. The days of Noah were days of sudden destruction. Matthew 24, 39, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. Hey, Noah was building an ark. He was a preacher of righteousness. He labored every day in that, in that society, antediluvian, pre-diluvian or pre-flood people. Amen. For 120 years. Now that's a long sermon. So don't, don't ever say I preach long. I'll point you to Genesis. You don't like my preaching? Get under Noah's preach. 120. Sudden destruction hangs in the air we live in today. It's all about us. God has warned and warned and witnessed. and He sent witnesses. And then sudden destruction. And this is my last point. And this I think we all need to get. The days of Noah call for the saving of a household. One thing about Noah, he wasn't everything. He wasn't right. He wasn't perfect. He's a good man. God wouldn't have chosen to do what he did if he wasn't. But he wasn't perfect. He wasn't sinless. 1 Peter 3.20, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, uh, was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. That doesn't go along with the average church growth ministry of today. Well, Noah, you had a great ministry. How many you got in your church? Eight. eight. You mean 8,000? 800? 
No, eight. Eight? What have you been doing? I'll tell you what I've been doing. I've been faithfully preaching what God told me to preach. For 120 years I've been doing it. I haven't changed. I still got a King James Bible, amen, and I still believe in separate. I don't know what he said, but you know what? Those eight souls got saved. Let's not worry about all the numbers. Let's, hey, you better get your family in. Eight souls. Of course the Lord wants us to win more souls than that. I, I, yesterday at the funeral, Brother Leroy got up with his red hanky and he's praising the Lord while he's preaching at his wife's funeral. And he's giving her praise and saying how he had, he had started to work in Ortonville and him and his family, I like this idea, different than the idea of a lot of young preachers today. He got a church, what about that with nobody? And he started a church and they would have morning, evening, and, and Wednesday night services, had Sunday school like, like churches have. You know, that's what churches are supposed to do. But uh, Sunday school, by the way, do you come to Sunday school? Sunday morning, Sunday night, Sunday night, do you come to Sunday night? Wednesday night services. And here's what he did. He got him and his family, his kids, and when church was over, they changed their clothes and they worked on the church. They had dinner and worked on the church till the evening, changed their clothes, had preaching, then after church, they worked on the church. They did it every day till they had a beautiful church remodeled, and the family did it. When he got it all done, of course, they started winning souls and bringing people in. Then he started showing people here, you're supposed to have deacons and you're supposed to have leaders. But he didn't wait for a bunch of people. They worked. And one thing that preacher did is he had his family in because they were sitting at the funeral. They're all Christians. He was talking, bragging on his wife. And he said, my wife never missed. She was always at my side. She always agreed with me. How many, how many know Leroy? Leroy Deacon. He was a, a contractor, build homes, build builder, with a group. The group got in trouble with their taxes. And uh, somebody was going to prison. And he became the, he the one that fell on the sword for the business. And he went to prison. This is before he's saved, by the way. We got enough of those guys. Uh, went to prison as a lost man. Ex-Marine, tough dude. And his wife started going to church. And she went to church and the preacher preached the word of God and she got saved. And, her, and she brought her and her preacher to prison to witness to her husband. And uh, when he first heard it, he didn't want nothing to do with it. But thank God for a faithful preacher that kept going to the prison and witnessing to Brother Leroy. And finally, he was under conviction. He got saved. And see that, same, that, that guy that built the church later for the Lord? He had a beautiful house and all the things that go with it for being a, a businessman and having all these buildings that he built and everything. But he went to prison. And when he got out, he said, first Sunday, we said, he said, I got home. He said, the next day was Sunday. He came home on Saturday. He said, the next day, he said, we're going to church. And the kids said, church? He said, yes, church. And they weren't excited about going to church, but he took them to church. You hear that? He took them to church. If your parents take you to church, make you go to church, you're so blessed. Thank God for them. Amen. Amen. Took them to church. And then she 
with her ways, and the dad being a strong man, grew in the Lord, and the whole family saved. Mom's going to heaven, or gone to heaven, and they're there praising the Lord. He's waving his hanky. He's saying, I'm just looking forward to seeing her again, wanting to be faithful. Hey, the days of Noah, my last point here, it's for the saving of our household. Do you have some kids that need to be saved? Do you have some grandchildren that need to be saved? Do you, do you have a brother-in-law, sister-in-law, family members? But your own immediate family, that's first, but others. It, may, it, it convicted me to hear Leroy talk yesterday at his wife's funeral and preaching this sermon. What about your family? Do you know that your wife is saved? Does that not bother you that you don't know? Do you know that your husband is saved? Or you, you say, well, you know, I, I don't know. Well, you ought to know. And they ought to have a testimony that they are in your children. Because we can go out and win the whole world. What about our own family? There have been those guys too. And I, you know, you can't make your kids believe. You can't make them serve God when they become adults. You can't. But you can still pray and bring it up and talk to them and rebuke them and love them and be merciful and patient. You can do all those things. But about time, since we're living in these last days, we got to try to get our family in before it's ever too late. The ark is a type of Jesus Christ. There's safety in the ark. Is your family in the ark? Eight souls were saved. Wasn't a big group, but they were all saved. I think that's a great testimony. Someday to end up my life and say, well, all my kids were saved. And I could say, hopefully one day, if we don't have more, I'll say all 12 of my grandkids are saved. I'd love to be able to say they're all saved and in church and serve. I'd love to be able to say all my 12 grandkids are missionaries on the foreign field. And that's between God and them, not me. But, but at least I could try to get them saved and try to keep them in church. Amen? Amen? So we're living in these last days. I'll close it up. Here's my questions. Are you in? Are you in Christ? Are you in the ark of safety? Are you completely in? I mean, you're teetotally 100% in. Or are you just kind of in? Yeah, just a little bit in. Are you sort of in, halfway in? I want to be all in, in these last days. Let's bow our heads for whatever head bowed.